This is Shi'ar Jeshub, coming from Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, and featuring the ministry of Pastor Greg Scalzo. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and I invite you back to our study series on Heavenly Authority. In the current set of sermons, my husband has been focusing on divisions in the church, and the letter of 1 Corinthians has been central to the study. In the current sermon, in order to better understand Paul's words in chapter 4, Pastor went into the Gospels where Jesus rebukes the Pharisees because their fathers killed the prophets and they build and adorn tombs to them, taking away the key of knowledge and hindering those entering in. When we left off, Pastor was relating a sermon he saw on local TV by a liberal minister of a large church who equated those who hold that the Bible is the literal Word of God with the religious leaders in Jesus' day and equated himself with John the Baptist, fighting against the perceived intolerance of such believers against homosexuals. Here now is Pastor Greg Scalzo. So, of course, in his scenario, he, poor man, was like John the Baptist. And we're all, and he's calling upon the name of John the Baptist. He's building a wonderful tomb. And I'm sitting there saying, you know, John got out on the streets and he preached against Herod taking his brother's wife, right? What would John say? For a minute, the Lord raised John up. What would John say about lesbian ministresses and having ministers, homosexuals, marrying homosexuals, or dating homosexuals, what would he say? What would he say? Repentance. And this man is speaking for the splendor of a large church. He's pulling down a large salary. He's, he's tickling the ears of the people around who want to hear it. What would John the Baptist, the real John the Baptist, say to all this? But he calls in the name of John. He doesn't quote any other religion. You know, he's got to bring something religious for the people. He's standing, he's got a beautiful religious gown on. He's got a cross on him. And the unknowledgeable, those that don't read the scriptures, might say, that's true. Look at that. What a, what a terrible thing that is. This, this biblical intolerance. John wouldn't want that. Now, he, now, he knows if he reads the scriptures what John taught. And personally, I'm sure he doesn't like John the Baptist because John the Baptist by his standards, would be considered highly intolerant. Right? Why didn't he just let Herod take his brother's wife? What, what was this whole repentance about? Why should we have to repent? Isn't everyone good in God's sight? Aren't we all God's creatures? But I mean, that's what they really believe. So why would you pick John the Baptist out as the one to put forward? Right? He's the last guy you want to put forward if you want to say tolerate everything. He was so smooth. And so crafty how he did it that you would think when you walked away from that sermon that anyone that's a Bible believer, John would, would ridicule, would point the finger at, and he would be embracing all the homosexuals on the shores of the Jordan and never tell them to repent because this man did it in a, in a beautiful church with a wonderful voice, tremendous presentation. 
He built a tomb for John the Baptist. They cut off his head, and he just buried his teaching of repentance. The whole idea of repentance, to repent, to know we've committed sins so we understand why we need a Savior to begin with, has been buried in the ground by his teaching. He's taken away the key of knowledge. He's just destroyed and taken away the keys of salvation. Shameless use of name for their own teaching, their own worldly, fleshly wisdom, and so division comes in. For the people's ears, to tickle the ears, to draw a certain crowd to them. With that background, let's go back to 1 Corinthians. And maybe we can understand what's going on in chapter 4. Because up to this point, we've been hearing Paul say how wrong it is to say, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, as though they have been lifting him up. And Paul has been saying, no, no, don't do that. Now, perhaps in that church, because there are those that are coming in, false teachers, those trying to lead the people to their own group, there are others who in response are saying, I don't, I don't buy that, they're wrong. I believe the way Paul believes. And Paul's saying, that's not even right. They should be saying, I believe the way Christ wants me to believe. But many times deceivers come in, and in a power play, they might use Paul's name and really have no loyalty to Paul. Because when you start to get to verse 8, he goes from speaking about how they're puffing men up, and his name is one of the names it sounds like they're lifting up, and then you find out they're not really treating him with any respect at all. He says in chapter 4, verse 8, You are already full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings without us, and indeed, I could wish you did reign, that we also might reign with you. They really have a mind all their own. They're saying, I am of this one. They're the ones that are in the power mix that are causing these divisions really have a mind all their own, and they're really full of themselves, and they're puffed up. And Paul, you know, he makes a statement, you already fool, you already rich. And then he says, indeed, I wish you did reign. Paul is giving them a teaching in the middle of identifying their problem. Actually, his simple gospel is they should reign. They each should be going to Jesus Christ. They each should be receiving knowledge from God and being anointed with God's Spirit. And then he said, I would reign with you. In other words, his job would be accomplished. He would have presented them as a chaste bride to the bridegroom. They would enter into a like relation as he, which is exactly the goal the apostles had, to bring people into a like fellowship with Jesus Christ. And he wishes that they did reign as kings by themselves directly to Jesus Christ. But they've gone off on their own and have used the names of the apostles really to bring in human religion and false teaching and arrogance and pride. Beware the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Jesus said. Verse 9, For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. 
and we labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we endure, being defamed, we entreat, we have been made as the filth of the world and the offscouring of all things until now. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. Offscouring. Rejected by society, outcast, that which is scoured off, garbage, trash. He gives a summary of how the apostles were still being treated as they discharged their trust, as they went from town to town, as they preached the gospel. And there they are in Corinth, and they're, they're in relative ease. They're in wealth. Um, they're debating and the Greeks and the Athenians love to debate, and that's entered into the Christian church. They're starting to debate all these different teachings and ideas, and the ones that really can speak very well have drawn people onto themselves. And they look like they're honored, and here the apostles look dishonored. They look like they're wise, and they're talking about their great wisdom, and Paul looks like he's a fool for Christ, going from town to town, being beaten, being whipped. He seems like a fool. He seems like he's ordained to just die and be a spectacle to the world, condemned to death. And he did die for the sake of the gospel. He looks lowly by their worldly wisdom, by this fleshly religion, he looks lowly because he hasn't achieved the comfort to be able to sit back and debate all the great ideas that they seem to enjoy in the Corinthian church. But the sacrifice he's made is what started that church to begin with. And he's bringing them back to their foundation. If he wasn't a fool for Christ's sake, if this simple gospel which he has, which maybe they're looking down upon now as they're trying to integrate it into Greek philosophy, and some are coming in to try to bring it into the worldly system of that day and change it, and maybe some are even using Paul and some are using Peter, and some are using Apollos, like that man used John the Baptist. And like Jesus told the Pharisees and the scribes, you build monuments, tombs. Your fathers killed the prophets, and you build tombs to them. They'll use the names because the people remember, hey, Paul started the church, but they're not listening to Paul. They're not listening to Cephas, and they're not listening to Apollos. They use that as trappings, and they make themselves seem better. And here the apostles are still going on doing what the Lord has called them to do. In verse 14, he says, I do not write these things to shame, as he reviews that they who are serving the Lord have become the filth of the world. In the Roman Empire, they didn't like them. The synagogue leaders, they didn't like them, right? They're getting persecuted, talked about, and now inside the church, they're either being put down or lifted up as a monument and not being listened to inside the very church which they started. I write this to you, my beloved children, I warn you. Verse 15, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, instructor in the Greek, that was a servant who was responsible for taking the child to school and then tutoring the child when they were not in school. You have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. He was the one that went there, did the work, made the sacrifice, and taught them the simplicity of the gospel, which saved them and allowed them to receive the Holy Spirit. And now they're going beyond that which is written, and they're running after flattering words and worldly 
religion. You have 10,000 tutors. Now, maybe of those, and that's probably hyperbole, but you have a lot of these people who all want to instruct, and everyone wants to teach, and they all have their own ideas, and some of them could be very good. They could be those that really believe in Jesus and are instructed of the right things of the teachings of the Lord. And some could be instructors with hay and stubble. They just want the attention. They're not so good. They're not teaching the Word of God. They're not really changing it. They're just kind of neutral. And some could be drawing attention to themselves, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Some are troublemakers with good motives. They might really believe in Jesus Christ. They might really love the Lord. But, you know, in their flesh, they were troublemakers before they were saved, and they just haven't changed, so they're troublemakers after they're saved, and they cause problems in the church. And some are troublemakers with bad motives. They just want to use the faith for their own extortion and self-indulgence. But Paul did the initial work. We will continue this sermon in our next program. Our service time is 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at the Memorial Hall in Madison, Connecticut. You can find maps and info about our services on our website at www.shiarjashub.org, as well as a library archive of programs that are sure to help you in your daily Bible study. The address again is www.shear-jashub.org. You'll also find important articles written by Pastor Greg Scalzo. Please join us next time for Shi'ar Jashub.